Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus Nolan, and I'm joined by my friend and yours, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have anything up there uh, to no. joke around with, huh? No. Had to go back to the default. Yeah, the first thing. Good, good. Whatever. Well, thank you for joining us today, even though it's musty in here, because we've been working too hard. If this is your first time listening to us, we are the Musty Collective, and we motivate ourselves to become better storytellers. Wow, what a week. There's mm-hmm. a lot to cover and not enough time. But please make sure you use your time wisely. And now, let's start the show. First of all, the saddest news. As many of you already know, uh, Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant and seven other people crashed in Calabasas, California, uh, early Sunday morning. Um, It's a sad and tragic loss. Mm -hmm. And just wanted to mention it here on the podcast today. I grew up a Lakers fan. Uh, I watched Kobe play uh, from a rookie all the way 20 years later to his last game. And uh, I was a kid, but I remember every single Kobe championship. I watched them all with my dad. Uh, not all of them with my dad, but I watched most of them with my dad. Uh, I remember when he beat the Portland Trail Blazers in the Western Conference championship game. And he lobbed up to Shaq uh, when the Portland Trailblazers thought he was going to go for the shot. And uh, it was the final shot, really, to nail the coffin to beat the Portland Trailblazers. I remember his court case in Arizona. Or was it Colorado? (laughs) But I remember the court Mm -hmm. case. Uh, I remember his family almost being torn apart and then coming together. And I actually remember his girls, um, mainly we just talked about Gianna, but I remember her being the youngest one before, you know, really, frankly, until after Kobe retired, uh, having more children. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I don't want to be sad for, for a long time in this podcast episode, but. The reason why we opened up with the idea of make sure you use your time wisely is because we're only given a short amount of time on this earth. It feels like a long time. Boy, it feels like a long time. Just looking <laughs> at my own, my own life. But it really isn't. And it's just really, really important to use that time wisely because you are not guaranteed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the main takeaway I take... The main thing I take away from Kobe's life is the idea that mama mentality, never give up, persevere, work hard, be the very best you can be in what you're currently doing. And you will see success. And I love that about him. And finally, he was a storyteller as well. Mm-hmm. And he was he was just getting started. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like, because if you know me, you know I'm not really into sports. And, um, (laughs) like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really, like, keep up with what Kobe was doing or anything. But it still affected me. So I'm, like, I'm, I can't imagine how, like, people like Jesus feel, like, when news like this happens. But, um... It just shows, like, how much of an icon and how, like, influential he was because it's still, for me, not being really a sports fan, I was affected by it. And um, I there was a friend of mine on Instagram who 
brought up a good point. Um, she was talking about how we we need to really practice our empathy and sympathy for um, people when they ex- uh, experience things like this. Because yes, it's it's sad when celebrities pass away, but there's people every day that are hurting and um, people that experience these types of things and because they're not famous they're not getting the kind of exposure but they are still feeling this type of pain and so I don't know it just it was an an interesting take because I was like yeah Kobe Bryant and his daughter died but there were also other people on the plane and they they're gonna be missed by their families and they're yeah I don't know it's just it's sad yeah there are seven other people Mm -hmm. uh there was uh a daughter and a, a mother and a father who died, mm-hmm. whole family. Uh, I believe the daughter was a teammate of Gianna's at the Mamba Academy. Uh, there are uh, other adults, you know, most likely wives, sisters, brothers, sons. And uh, it's a blessing to get home every day, people. Mm-hmm. Squash. Whatever petty grievances you have with people, it's not worth it. And realize your own mortality. Do what's right today before you lose your life. All right, well, we want to get to the rest of the show. So we're going to do that, and we're going to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kobe, for what you did. And for inspiring me very much. All right. In the realm of Star Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Into the fantasy fictional realm of Star Wars. Uh, there actually has been a lot of news. Uh, we're not going to report on it or, or read about it all today. Um, but the main highlight I want to take away from it actually involves a, a director. Yes. A director that uh, I think I, I am starting to really enjoy his, mm-hmm. his style. Uh, Michelle, I think so as well. Who who are we talking about today? Taika Waititi. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So they're they're talking about maybe doing a a Star Wars film directed by Taika. Yeah. Which is really cool. I mean, he already did Thor, um, Ragnarok, and then he um, he's working on the new Thor movie. Yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the film that got me on his on his train, if there is a Taika Waititi train, um, yes, is the is. movie uh, "What We Do in the Shadows." Mm-hmm. That very funny comedic take on vampires. Yes. And uh, you know, after watching Twilight, I watched the first couple movies. Not gonna lie, actually, I think I watched all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a refreshing take on on vampirism, if that's mm-hmm. what it, if that's the term. And so also. Um, being an Oscar nominated, uh, working on an Oscar nominated film such as Jojo Rabbit, which he wrote and directed, mm-hmm. uh, he also casted for and acted. This man can do it all. Um, I think, and also because he directed the last episode of The Mandalorian, um, yeah. which he did a great job. His comedic take with the stormtroopers in that episode was hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's just really amazing to be a Star Wars fan in these days. Um, that if we could get a, a Taika Waititi directed film with maybe John Favreau as the writer, mm. since he seems to have done such an amazing job, and maybe yeah. even Feige as producer, um, we're looking at a, a nice little Star Wars trinity for theatrical films going moving forward. Yeah, I would like that a lot. Yeah, so. Uh, where, where we're getting this story from is not just pure speculation, but The Hollywood Reporter had this exclusive take on January 16 of 2020. Link in the show notes. Uh, they said it, it is unclear, or actually, Taika Waititi, the filmmaker behind the Oscar-nominated Jojo Rabbit and Thor Ragnarok, has been approached to develop a Star Wars movie, sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. So it is unclear where things stand in those talks. It is also unclear whether the project is separate from the one being developed by Kevin Feige, with whom he closely worked on with Thor Ragnarok, or a separate Star Wars project. Remember that we did talk about this before. Kevin Feige um, has been 
tapped uh, by Lucasfilm to produce a Star Wars film in the near future. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about that because I think Kevin Feige, um, out of you know a lot of producers that are available today, really knows how to stitch together a cinematic universe. Um, especially something as as fantastical as Star Wars with what he did with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what he's currently still doing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing. Here's the gotcha with that. Is it says here later in the article, um, let's see. Uh, of course, even if YTT were to accept the challenge of taking on the Jedi, the Sith, and assorted scum and villainy, ha ha ha, there's also the question of timing. The filmmaker has emerged as one of the most sought after in town with his ability to oscillate tones. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> Can you give us a I clue? I think probably like going from comedy to drama. Oh, yeah, he is you know good at I that. Mean? No, he no, yeah. he is. He is actually good at that. Um, scope and budgets. And that's all. Here's the thing, though. Scope and budgets. Mm -hmm. He was able to do a big type of film world world building film with Thor Ragnarok but he can do the small stuff too mm -hmm. and he works within a great budget I think as well yeah he is in post-production on a small budget dramedy next goal wins which I didn't even know uh, was coming out for Fox uh, searchlight though no release date has been set he will then move to helm the Marvel tentpole Thor love and Thunder which is eyeing a late summer production start. That pick has a November 5, 2021 release date. Waititi also remains involved with Akira, uh, Warner Brothers' adaptation of the classic anime, and is set to tackle that after Thor. So any potential Star Wars undertaking could impact those plans. Mm -hmm. Now, we like they said all this, and he did just like release Jojo Rabbit, and we got to see him live, you know, in yeah. Q&A talk about that. How was he able to find the time then, Michelle, to direct a Star Wars episode of The Mandalorian for season one. Oh, I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not as... Yeah, I mean, let us know. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're the filmmaker here. I mean, it takes a lot of planning, but I know, like, because sometimes the way that films are made, it might seem like the person was just working on it, like, the day before it came out. And for some things that is true okay okay like i know especially for like spider-man into the spider-verse like they were working on it like i think a week the a week or something yeah. like that before it came out they were like really pushing to get the deadline across but sometimes these I, movies are i think that i think with that example though it does have to do with the fact that theaters have really upgraded their technology so you can be a lot more digital you don't have to ship like the film reel now. Yeah. But I mean, like, at least for live action stuff, I know that he's like directing and he wrote it, but he wasn't the editor on it. So That's he fair. would have extra time That's while fair. it's being edited to do other things. So imagine I'm... if he had edited, though, he probably would have died. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do. You direct, write, and edit And, and I die. And I die, exactly. <laughs> no. That's the third version of Michelle, actually. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's some interesting insight. Um, but what do you think altogether? Would you be, like, as, you know, I think you, li you like his work and you like Star Wars. Would you be open to a Taika Waititi directed film? Yeah, sure. I, I think it would make me want... Because, okay, I like Star Wars, but I'm not, like, a huge Star Wars fan you're not like, a fanatic i'm not a fanatical fan um but i enjoy watching them but yeah. if i and i like them i really like the mandalorian i'm probably more of a fanatic for the mandalorian than uh, the other stuff but really it won you over that much yeah why it's just good oh yeah and don't worry we're gonna definitely do a breakdown i want to do a breakdown of each yeah. episode of the mandalorian actually so we'll definitely have that coming up for you mm -hmm. in the near future we just we finished it we like to I like to kind of dwell on things a little bit. <laughs> Mandalorian was really good. Yeah, so I think um, I I really love Taika Waititi's style and his humor. So if you mix that with like Mandalorian style stuff, I'm down. Yeah, no same. Um, I and I would to be honest. Yeah, obviously you gotta have some some uh, some ships, some space stuff. Uh, a lightsaber, maybe. But <laughs> I would really like to see Taika start, because Kathleen Kennedy has left it open. 
Um, and I think Lucasfilm is open to the idea that you don't have to have a trilogy. Like, mm-hmm. not every movie has to be tied to a trilogy, right? Yeah. Um, it can be a main movie story kind of thing, and yeah. it just not be tied to the trilogy. I think she's open to, like, a one-off, mm-hmm. right? Like or, Rogue One. Like a Rogue One. Or if it is tied to a larger story, it's just a story within itself, like an Iron Man. Yeah. And then later on, you see the connections to it down the road. Mm-hmm. But I would like, like, a more personal Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like Solo was, mm-hmm. but maybe even a little bit more personal. And I think, like, like a Firefly kind of story, I think that would be something that Taika Waititi could really get into. Hmm. Um, like, if he could get into, like, it depends what era he would have to go into, but it would be interesting to see something where you have, let's say you have, like, a, um, a couple of Imperial, like, cadets mm-hmm. who just graduated and got their first assignment. They're not stormtroopers. They're, like, supposed to be some other like order of um of soldier mm-hmm. and they're kind of you know they're doing their first mission so you kind of get that feeling of like a team um but then the different personalities within the team but they're also novices but they're highly skilled at the mm-hmm. same time and them kind of fumbling around the galaxy together <laughs> or even better probably would be is try to find um you know find some characters that people really like that that they they care about but mm-hmm. also maybe around like some bounty hunter smuggler kind of thing mm-hmm. i would say not bounty hunter because we already have mandalorian uh some smuggler type people uh like a maybe characters like hondo onata or hondo kanata i'm forgetting his name but hondo <laughs> characters like characters like a, like a hondo honda civic oh uh, no no <laughs> like a hondo uh tied with like an ahsoka type character uh-huh. And they're just traveling around having a good time in the in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Or give him the Finn and Poe movie with Chewbacca. And I think that's like be a buddy awesome. comedy. Yes. I think <laughs> I think something along around those lines yeah. would be a really good feel for him. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll look forward to if there's any more news, we will let you know because you know, I don't feel like this was actually talked about enough. So I, I really think Tiger with T directing, mm-hmm. John Favreau writing, and Kevin Feige producing would be a hot, hot mess in a good way for Star Wars, and I want to. I would love to see that happen. Actually, a hot mess. Uh, okay, so um, a movie that has been made um, is this new movie coming out called Irresistible. Um, it's coming out. It's coming out. And it, it's, out. see, this is more of my area of people, like, because I, when you were talking about stars, I was like, I don't know half of these people you're talking about, but. Yeah. You don't know Hondo? <laughs> no. <laughs> you gotta watch um, some Rebels and some Clone Wars, yo. I know. So, um, Irresistible, it's coming out May 29th, Woo! 2020. Irresistible. And I'm really excited because it's written and directed by Jon Stewart. Really? Now? And I think this is his first feature film that he has written and directed okay um because i know he was a writer for the daily show which he was a part of for years and years yeah um but and also steve carell who is the star of this movie was a correspondent um type of like news anchor (laughs) character on um the daily show so they're working together again, which they haven't... I don't think they have done that in a while, so that was pretty cool. Wait they're... a minute, quick correction here. Google search, there's a film that Jon Stewart wrote and directed. Oh. Called Rosewater. Feature length, 100, oh, 1 hour and 43 minutes, so that's feature length. Back in 2014. Rated R. Hmm. Yeah. I don't remember this. Iranian-Canadian journalist... Maziar Bahari is detained by Iranian forces who brutally interrogate him under suspicion that he is a spy. Oh, I don't know if I'd watch that. Hmm. That might make me uh, depressed. But but that's his other... That's his other directorial hmm. film. Feature-length cool. film. That looks very intense, though. That doesn't look like a comedy. Yeah. and Irresistible, I definitely will watch because it's political comedy. That's right up my alley. I love yeah. that stuff. Yeah, so it's like um, a Democrat who's trying to win over some people who would usually vote Republican, I guess. Yes. 
And yes. so it's like the war between the Democrats and the Republicans trying to win this um, state over or this city or whatever. Yeah, but you can tell, like, there was one comment in the trailer um, on YouTube. Well, one, it says, this movie feels 10 years old. <laughs> and two, I totally see this political movie to be unbiased and not condescending at all. Which was that I, sarcastic? Definitely sarcastic, because I think that's that's at a... Uh, at a Rose Burns character, mm-hmm. um, who is the Republican yeah. side of this one, and she does seem a little ridiculous. Definitely mm-hmm. the antagonist. Yeah. Whereas uh, Steve Carell's Democrat, mm-hmm. Democratic character, is like the protagonist that we're gonna we're gonna care about. Yeah, but it seems like he has some flaws too. So I don't know if it's like, because um, he just seems like really out of touch with the people in this area. Yeah, I think I think people who are already immediately thinking this is just going to bash Republicans only, I think you you need to do your research on John Stewart cuz I have felt out of you know, either the group of political pundits out mm-hmm. there, I feel like John Stewart has been pretty fair. Yeah. To be quite honest, I think he he knows that there's truth out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's there to bash both sides. Yeah. I think he just wants to Shed some light, especially as we're coming up with a, a presidential <laughs> election pretty pretty soon. So I, I think we got to give him a little bit of credit. Yeah. And it's coming out May 29, 2020. Yeah. So, so that, that'll yeah. be pretty cool. So can, ma- mom, can we go see that? <laughs> uh, if you do all your chores. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm super excited for this because I need a good comedy. Yeah. I don't think there were any good comedies out last year. Like, um, the movie with Bill Murray and Adam Driver. Uh, we talked about this movie briefly. What was the movie called? Dang. Um, zombie movie. The Dead Don't Die. The Dead Don't Die. Thank you, IMDb. Um, <laughs> that was funny, but it was so dry at times. And then they, you know, it was a very specific kind of humor. But it was I just, think. it was, it was good. But it, I need, I need, a, I want to laugh at something, but I don't want to be slapstick, mm-hmm. like, um, like a boss is out right now. Yeah. And I know that's supposed to be a comedy, but like that's a little too. Yeah, I would watch it, <laughs> but I, I want something that's gonna. I want to be a little smart. I want to mm-hmm. be intelligently laughing as well. So, so Jumanji is, didn't do that for you? Jumanji made me laugh. That's right. We did watch Jumanji. That mm-hmm. that was funny. The well, next level. The, the next Jumanji yeah. next level. That was 2019. You're right. Jumanji mm-hmm. next level was funny. Mm-hmm. But it was more of the same jokes as before. Yeah. So it wasn't as fresh to me. Mm-hmm. But that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I We need more comedy. I think we need to laugh more. I think so too. We need that's to be able to laugh I, at ourselves. That's why I laugh a lot. Yeah? Is that why? Yeah. Okay. I laugh at things that aren't <laughs> appropriate all the time, but I, I laugh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, we should also, I feel like we should just, we should, let's see if we can have a comedian on the show this year, but we should also go see a comedy show. We just need to laugh more. Mm-hmm. We just need to enjoy ourselves, enjoy life. Let's not take 2022 seriously, even though we've had some serious stuff happen mm-hmm. in 2020 so far. cried i think i did not cry but i could have if i really had let my emotions go i cried it was fantastic anyway. though little women is fantastic little women 2019 yeah it's fantastic and greta gerwig should be nominated for an oscar for directing That's yes just she my should opinion, but... yes she should but we haven't seen joker so <sighs> but whatever okay so um if you haven't heard of Little Women, it was originally a book written by Louisa May Alcott, and it became super famous because they turned it into um, 
over a dozen television adaptations. It was a musical. It had two silent movies. It had 48 episodes of an anime series. Um, and then for the American cinema versions, they made a version in 1933, 1949, 1994, yep, and yep. now 2019. So this story has been blowing up since it was first written, I guess. Yeah, but- I... I have never read the book. Have you ever read the book? No. I, but I, I want to now. I want to now for sure. Mm-hmm. I remember the anime series because it was on Trinity Broadcasting Network. <laughs> oh, uh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the only way I heard about that story. And I was actually interested. I was like, oh, I want to watch this, but I never yeah. watched all the episodes. I didn't quite get it. That is interesting. I knew there were four girls who were sisters with a mom with a dad who's at war. And that's pretty much all I knew. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we... With 1933's version, 1949, 1994, I didn't know any of these movies were out. Mm-hmm. And especially the 1994 one, I thought I would remember that. I don't remember a trailer for it. I remember seeing it. I, like, I didn't see the movie, but I remember, like, seeing images of it or, like, a trailer here and there yeah. when I was little. But I don't, I don't think I ever watched it because probably because of my brother and my dad they didn't want to really watch something like that but yeah it definitely like it's it's a female film but i think in the best possible way it's a female story a female-led story a female-driven story there are some interesting male characters though to be had Mm -hmm. but it's a very female story and i i think that's so cool Mm -hmm. It, it it's one of those things where you know, people when uh, in the MCU, it's like, oh, don't turn this character into a black person, or don't turn this character into an Asian person, or don't turn this character into a female person, or blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. You can't complain about any of that, right? Or compare characters based on you know previous genders or races because this character, the main character Joe, mm-hmm. has Joe Marsh has been. A female, white female, in the 1860s, you know, since the inception of the story. Mm-hmm. And it just felt, for me, yeah. I never knew the full story of Little Women. It felt so fresh. And Greta Gerwig's take is so good. Yeah. I so, think it, so good. Um, It's very original from the, it's, what am I saying? It is very different. Are you okay? You know, you good? You all right? <laughs> I had a seizure just now. But <laughs> no, my um. So she, Greta Gerwig's version, she, you know what? No, I mean Greta Gerwig's version. She did. She she took the film, uh, from its previous stints, and I think she gave a new revelation of the story. Yeah, and um, and she told it in a unique way. She didn't just copy yes. and paste from yes. the last version. But. but but even even with some of the scenes are, are exact copies of each other, like from the nineteen ninety four version to the twenty nineteen version. Mm-hmm. She and her cinematographer just did an amazing job. Yeah, she, like and the shots she chose for the film, mm-hmm. just amazing. Um, the scene that really comes to mind right now is the scene of Joe Marsh and Laurie dancing together on their first meeting uh but alone but kind of mimicking what the uh, the crowd is doing in the main um dancing hall Mm -hmm. of the house um just awesome yeah just really really awesome like and you look at the 1994 version it's like whoa (laughs) that looked like that looked bad that was a bad way to shoot it (laughs) and and greta just did an amazing job so like it's not even just a fact of like oh she kind of she had a template Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I think she did. It helped a lot, I think, to have the past versions. Yeah, but I think the creativity that she showed in how to frame it, what she wanted from her actors, the mm-hmm. casting she did, because um, Saoirse Ronan just killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just all the casting was amazing. Yeah. All of it. And so, yeah, I just want to give some props that it was just an amazing film. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I I recently came across a video from Be Kind Rewind. Yes, and, you did. And it was a really great video essay about um, the differences between the American cinema versions of the Little Women's story. 
And so I just wanted to like tell you the extremely quick version of the entire video. The entire video. <laughs> um, but if you want to watch the full thing, we have the link in the show notes because it's you should watch it. It's it's a really cool breakdown of all the films. Yeah, be kind, rewind. Did an excellent videography or video essay. It's less a little less than twenty five minutes long. Man, I felt like I attended like a class. It was mm-hmm. it was good. Really great breakdown. Yeah, it was really good. So it's it's talking about the versions from 1933, 1949, 1994, and 2019. So the um the first film in 1993, it starred Katherine Hepburn as Joe, and it emphasized the financial destitute state of the family um due to it being released near the time of the Great Depression. So I think a lot of people were relating to that, and that's why it. Um, resonated with so many people and the character the main character joe ended up with a much older german professor yeah that was gross (laughs) that was super gross but i mean okay so katherine hepburn looked a little older like she has a very mature looking face so it didn't seem that crazy but yeah and so the second film in 1949 which starred June Allison. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else, but um, at, she starred as Joe, and it emphasized more of like the military aspect of the film and like how um, Joe wanted to go to war with her dad, and um, that's because of the recent World War Two events that happened. So um, Joe ends up with a much younger, um, nicer-looking Italian man. Which they thought would be more attractive. That was the that was the better way to go. <laughs> it really was the better way to go. But apparently, the 1994 version did not agree. No. So in the third film in 1994. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get really shallow in this in this uh this summary. Yeah, I I am. So okay, so Winona Ryder starred as Joe, and that movie emphasized more of Joe's career as a writer. Um, so um. It was after women had already been integrated into the workplace and society because it was in the 90s. Um, so it was really emphasizing the... Women were integrated into the workplace? So yes. It sounds like you're just like hurting, like, get in there, start working. Well... <laughs> no, just, just, um, <laughs> was that Industrial Revolution? No, that's something else. No, uh, with the, after the women's movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so for this one... I think this is the hardest one that I I think both Jesus and I had a hard time watching yes. some scenes. Yes. But Joe ended up with an older professor yeah. again. Um, but they went deeper into like establishing their relationship so that way it was more believable that she would actually end up with this guy. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's but true. The, he the it looks like a, a father and daughter. It's like because yeah, Winona right Ryder has a very young face, and um, the guy that plays, let's see who the guy is, Gabriel Byrne. So he played um, the man that she ends up with, and he has a very mature-looking face. He's an old man. So when, um, <laughs> so there's like scenes where they're kissing and stuff. And we were just Ugh. like sort of cringing a little bit. It's not that like he's a bad person no, or Michelle. She's... Michelle was respectfully cringing. I was all out. Like I turned my head. Ugh. It looked so nasty. It's just cause yeah. It's just they looked extremely like the age difference was like really extreme yep. to me. Yep. And I don't know. Anyway, so we were having a hard time with that one. Yeah. Um, the fourth film. And look at that smile. Look at those wrinkles. <laughs> She's just taking Winona's hand like, come on. <laughs> I just, that scene. Winona, I just feel like, always gets with weird guys like in her films. And mm-hmm. maybe her outside, outside life, too. She's just, she doesn't get the normal people, you know? But the nice, know. normal guy that shows up. Uh-huh. No, she says no to. And I want to say this. No, Christian Bell. I don't want to no, be not, with well, you. Stranger Things. Yes. Right? Hopper? Yeah, with Hopper. Nice, mm-hmm. normal guy. Mm-hmm. She can't She can't get with that guy. Can't kiss him. Mm-hmm. But she kisses Gabriel Byrne. I know it's not her choice. I'm just blaming her. <laughs> not in Stranger but, Things. But, like, I'm saying, like... Gabriel Byrne was not in Stranger Things. I will say this, though. Um, Christian Bale makes a much more handsomer Lori... <sighs> More, um, 
And I just don't, I don't see Joe saying no. I just don't see but, uh, if Louisa May Alcott could see Christian Bale, I think she, she herself would be like, I will marry you. She but, could not say no to Lori. <laughs> uh, I, I would have said no. Christian Bale's not that attractive to me. Mm, hot take. No, I'm not saying he's the most attractive man in the world. He's not. I feel like he's as, not Brad Pitt. Or I feel something. like he got more attractive as he got older, which sucks that men get more attractive when they're older and women. Male, are, male power. Women are seen as not getting <laughs> any younger. So, um, it's just how we do. It's how we do. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, so the fourth film in 2019, which is the one we just saw. Yes. Um. It stars Saoirse Ronan yes. as Joe, and it emphasized the women in their adulthood after marriage. Well, I mean, real, real quick, though, it's not just Saoirse Ronan, who I'd never actually seen a film with. We have Emma Watson playing Meg March, Florence Pugh, who people are like really mm-hmm. interested in a lot now, Eliza Scanlon as Beth March, uh, and Laura Dern as Marnie. Mm-hmm. Which was a great choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. I saw her in Last Jedi. Hated her. Hated her in Aww. Last Jedi so much. I hated her character. I was like, Laura Dern, stop acting. Aww. But we need to watch Marriage Story because she's in there. And I hear she does a great job. I think she, she got a nomination. She was also in Jurassic Park. No, that's why I used to love her. But then I saw her in Last Jedi. It's like, girl, you better get out of my face. Uh, but Laura Dern was perfect as Marnie. Mm-hmm. She showed... And that's what I love about Greta Gerwig's version is there because the thing that you have to make sure that you do with this story is mm-hmm. it's an old fashioned story. So the, the clothing is old fashioned, the idea of sexuality is old fashioned, mm-hmm. but and also what women are, what women's roles are is depicted in the old fashioned sense. Yeah. But what I loved about Laura Dern as Marnie was that in that moment where her and Joe are talking at the bed of Beth when Beth, you know, Beth is sick and recovering. Mm-hmm. Is she talks about how I do get angry, I do get upset, you know, and you get this and you, these little dialogue lines where um, Aunt March, uh, Aunt March, Marsh, March, Aunt March, <laughs> the old <laughs> the old hag, <laughs> and it, great role for Meryl Street by the way, <laughs> was uh, oh you oh don't know what your gosh. mother wants, and I was just like. Dude, just all these little lines hinting down like that Marnie was just, in the end, she was more like Meg, where she accepted her lot in life and she was going to help others, but she definitely would have liked the high society lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that theme was really good and, and played well with, with uh, Laura Dern and her acting. Yeah. And so it was, um, this film was, it was more like emphasizing, it's not just about, um, okay, so this is a quote from the video essay but it says it's not just about joe's career as a writer but taking women seriously respecting their ambition and compensating them correctly yeah that was a that was definitely a big theme Mm -hmm. i think i want to say that was really the that's one of the main themes for sure yeah uh it was would that be the main main theme for you though Um, would that be the main takeaway regardless of what the system may be causing in terms of like limits for your life um you should still do your best to live the life that you want to live Mm. um and Mm. that's how change happens because if enough people do that and they they live outside of societal norms even though they know that like this is who they are and what they want to do and what they want to be yeah um it's important for them to do that and try to work past all the naysayers because that's the only way change is going to actually happen yeah and so i think that was a big part of joe's story and also um let's say amy's story Make story. Well, yeah, all of them. Yeah, they were all Except trying to... Except for Beth, because... Because she's gone. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh, my gosh. No, I mean, I actually really liked her character a lot. Um, I would have been Beth's friend. That's that's crazy. She, like, she didn't have any friends outside of her family, to be quite honest. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and obviously the old man. 
But that's crazy to live your life and your entire family is mm-hmm. just, that's it. That's all you know. Yeah. That is such a different perspective than what we live in the modern world. Yeah, that's how a lot of people live. Marsh is having her her rant, I want to say, which I feel like the marketing does a bad job at in, in showing mm-hmm. because there's a fuller context to that. But the idea of individuals' choices are like contextualized around the idea that they're, they make those choices based on systemic systems um, of cause and effect that they have no control over. Mm-hmm. Right? And the women in this story are perfect are a perfect example of that. They yeah. are shown to be talented as writers, actors, musicians, painters. painters. But they can't live off those talents today in 1860 mm-hmm. because the society, the system of cause and effect is forcing them to marry or die. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Unless they get rich like mm-hmm. and I really like that. I thought, it was great in the trailer and it was great again in the movie. Mm-hmm. But when um, Meryl Streep, she doesn't get a lot to do, but she that little bit that was awesome was like, oh, but you are you don't have to marry. It's like, that's because I'm rich. <laughs> and it's not like she made her money in a nefarious kind of a prostitute kind of way. What? Yeah, that's what I felt like I got. Oh, I didn't catch that part. But, um, but the... Prostitute. Prostitute. <laughs> but I just, what I want to say from that point is that is a story of... Women in America, that's that the idea of making choices because that may not be your favorite choice, but the choice you need to make right now to push the envelope a little further, but still survive mm-hmm. because the systems of cause and effect that are out of your control. Story of black America, story of Latino America, story of Asian America, all these stories because they couldn't affect larger in, in, in certain generations. They had to push a little bit, push a little bit. And so I would love for Greta Gerwig because I feel like she did that so well with Little Women mm-hmm. and a representation of women in 2019 that get Greta Gerwig, get Enrivia, Cynthia, Cynthia Enrivia, get uh, Regina King and the Boondocks crew and make a modern adaptation of Roots, mm-hmm. either as a TV series on Netflix or as a movie. Yeah. I think that would be gold. Hmm. I would love to see that. You should tell her. I just told her right now because she is part of our <laughs> massive audience of the Musty Collective. We love you, Musty Collective. Woo woo. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, um, yeah, and so th- for this, for the fourth film in 2019, for that film's Joe, she sort of, kind of ends up with a young French professor. No, they, they got married. Not sort of, kind of. They did get married. But there's some. Some people are questioning it because of the way that it was edited and like the way the story happened is that she was like, was she just talking about the ending because Mm. of um, the way, do you know what I mean? Like there's sort of like the fourth wall stuff because she, she was trying to sell the book and he's like, they have to either die or get married. And so, but no, that's what I'm saying. I think that's. They didn't do a wedding ceremony. We didn't see a ring on her finger as far as I saw. I had to mm-hmm. rewatch the film and I do want to rewatch this film. But I do think it's implied that she married somebody mm-hmm. because that's how the editor of the literary agency was going to publish her book. Mm-hmm. So she did marry Professor Bear. Mm-hmm. I don't think Greta Gerwig meta changed that. Mm-hmm. She just didn't show their wedding. Hmm. But okay. I could be wrong. Yeah, some people are questioning whether she actually got with him or not. Like, if that whole ending scene actually happened or if she was just saying it and it was part of the book and it was just showing it as part of the book. I think I think it's also heavily implied, too, because the end scene where they're celebrating Marnie's birthday, but at the big house. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's matched up with their with their somebody, with their partner. Yeah. So I think I think it, it worked out. Um, okay. 
But that's interesting, though. That's that's a conspiracy I, like, I would like to uh, <laughs> I like to uh, maybe uh, climb up on. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> but uh, yeah. we need to get Greta, Greta Greta Gerwig. If you can just show up anytime, mm-hmm. I know you listen to our podcast. We appreciate you. We believe you should be uh, Oscar nominated director. Mm-hmm. Um, just show up and yeah. let's let's hash this out on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think another cool thing that they did um, was. Um, Greta Gerwig added details to Joe's character that was really similar to Louisa May Alcott. Yes. So it was more of like they were more of like one person instead of this is the author and then these are the characters she wrote because she did write about her own life. And so it was just cool to get that perspective on it. Yeah. No, that's true. I I really like joe i definitely think if i had watched the previous movies it would have soured me to the story mm-hmm. um especially the 19 was it 1941 or 1949 uh, film mm-hmm. june allison as joe is just not my cup of tea i definitely like Catherine yeah. hepburn i was not a fan of of uh winona Ryder's version to be quite honest either mm-hmm. um but yeah saoirse ronan was great I, I i just loved everyone yeah in this film it was so well, ca- well, okay. <laughs> I didn't like everyone. Bob Odenkirk as Father March uh-huh. was a bad casting. The man does not speak manliness, father, tenderly loving father to me. I think it's just because he's, he's so... He's not the man I'm waiting for. I'll, I'll say that so, right now. He's <laughs> so like rough gruff kind of a guy who bob odenkirk is he i have to watch the rest of his work he seems like he just seems like um no no that's not the man i'm waiting for if i was lord dern and i was waiting for that guy he played he was he's better call saul he's the guy from breaking bad he's like the lawyer that lies and like he's a weasel not a eh. <laughs> anyway, he looks like a weasel. He doesn't eh. look like like I look like there's a there's an weasel. image a weasel. <laughs> yes, uh, tailspin. Watch it on Disney Plus, everybody. It's awesome. No, but like what I mean is is that I I need a man to exude certain qualities for me to believe. If people like they talk about Papa and Father, they wait. They're waiting for this man. Mm-hmm. My little women, you know, like Laura Dern is just saying patiently and loyal and faithful to this man. And he shows up, and I'm like, ugh, mercy. But maybe, maybe he's trying to break another stereotype. Because in your head, you're thinking of the stereotypical burly man that comes in the door. But a sense of the burly man, like an Abraham Lincoln. That's all I'm saying. Abraham was burly? Yes, he was. The man chopped down trees. I thought that was Washington. No, he legit. This guy was good. A lot of people chopped down trees. But like before modern technology, <laughs> a lot of people chopped down trees. Let's just make that. Let's just make that clear. Doing. Yes, that was like a that was like a morning afternoon hike for them. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I, I, but the- I, I just want to say though is I just Bob Odenkirk besides him didn't like I, I love the casting, but Timothy Chalamet if that's how you say his Timothy. name. Timothy. Okay, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I would love to have him on the podcast, but he looks like a weenie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> He looks like a weenie, bro. So there's a weasel look, and a weenie. Look at his face, bro, on IMDb. He's like, yo, what's up, girl? Like, But, okay, <laughs> if I could be in this fictional world of little women, I would want to go on a trip with um, Lori, um, the the professor, mm-hmm. his his, little, his tutoring professor who married Meg, because he would keep us all in line. Uh, and um, either, either Amy or there's another dude. Um... I guess I guess Papa Merch, Papa March, just us go on a trip together, just have a good time. Can we get that film, Greg, uh, Greta? I want a film where it's the guys' version of Little Women, and they go off on a little adventure, and they just have a good time, mm-hmm. and they just honestly they don't have to talk about themselves. They don't have to be like, oh, this is what it means to be a man. I would love for them to have this heart to heart about their women. Uh huh. They just go. Let's say like it's. <laughs> Like three years after Joe gets married. Yeah. Don't include the French guy because I don't like him. Um, Should have found a prettier guy. I'm sorry. His nose. Ah, anyways. Fine. All right. So get all three of those guys in there. Include me. 
and um, of course. I'll, I'll be a free a free slave or whatever <laughs> a free slave and oh yeah because I, I would have i would have fought for my independence in the civil war alongside papa march mm-hmm. and i come to visit town and they're like sweet let's go on a quick adventure and the girls are like hey yeah go ahead mm-hmm. and we just talk about our women the whole time <laughs> that's all we need to do and it's just like this heart to heart of like i love my marnie and i I love my Amy. Oh, my Meg is so strong. We don't include French guy because <laughs> Joe no, but, is not that type of woman. He probably smack her upside the head. But you know what? That's like the that I think if people are still trying to stick with the stereotypes, I feel like that would feel very feminine to a lot of men to see a bunch of guys talking about how much they love their wives and how but that would be such a beautiful if you did it in a comical way i'm not saying it shouldn't happen it's just the way that society is i mean we're on the verge of breaking those things yeah we're we're very close yeah so but um it's just i feel like a lot of tough guys would be like i don't want to talk about that let's talk about fishing or let's talk about sports or let's talk about from the guy perspective this is how you hook the guy though the guy who's like, nah, this is dumb, because you're going to get the girl, is you hook him in the sense of my lady is so, you don't say my woman, but my lady is so loyal. See, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing sexier to a man than a woman's body, but there's something even sexier to a man than a woman's body, mm-hmm. and that is a woman's loyalty to him. And you talk about that faithfulness, especially with what we saw with what Greta Gerwig did was showing um, the I, I don't I forget the character's name the professor with um, with Meg Pro, no not that professor the tutor professor who married Meg mm. um, oh yeah professor I mean Mr Dashwood I think that's him I don't know somebody <laughs> somebody say me Professor Brooke I think it is yeah James Norton I think but yeah Professor Brooke with Meg. That scene, the lighting was amazing mm-hmm. in that scene. And then his responses, great acting. Yeah. Um, he really moved me in that scene. But loyalty, mm-hmm. right? Man, that would, I would, I know I could get me, in a, I, I could get me a troop of guys to go and be like, yep, you know what? And be like, baby, I love you. Like, they just, <laughs> we're calling, our, we're calling our, our women from the theater. Like, baby, I, I love you so much. Thank you for loving me. Like, anyways, get a girl, make it happen. Make it happen. Oh my goodness. Maybe maybe a co-directing team up, Greta Gerwig, Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. Let's make that happen. <laughs> okay, so there is a, a certain scene that was really interesting to me um but it was a so this is just i'm just gonna read the dialogue um but the it's marnie the mother and she's talking with joe yes and she's saying but do you love him yes and then joe says i care more to be loved and then the mother says well that's not the same as loving yep yeah. And then Joe goes on to say, but I'm so lonely. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because so, she does her she yeah. does her rant about what women are meant to be or yeah. meant for. And then she says, but I'm so lonely. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. It, such raw honesty. Yeah. So I think it was just interesting because I think her her need to be loved that it sort of goes back to the thing we're talking about of like how it's more about her just missing her sisters and the family atmosphere because everyone's often married or they died or whatever happened so it's like she's longing for that kind of companionship again but it's not necessarily a romantic thing that she's looking for she just wants her family back together and the way that it was before everybody got married off and yeah yeah, and Be Kind, Please Rewind really, or Be Kind, Rewind, really had a, they, they opened my eyes to that scene. Because yeah. I thought when she said, I'm so lonely, I thought it was like, I need a man. Mm-hmm. That's my male perspective, honestly. <laughs> please don't hate me in the comments. I'm just saying, that's how I took it at yeah. first. My eyes were opened by the analysis of the great people there. And my wife, 
assuring me of that analysis and mm-hmm. that interpretation, that was powerful because of the scene of waking up and knowing, like when Beth did make it through her her previous sickness, mm-hmm. and then they had the beautiful Christmas morning, yeah, with the father coming back, and just the the beautiful breakfast, and everything was golden and warm and mm-hmm. lush. And the timing structure of the plot of how Greta did that, mm-hmm. I thought it was funky in the first 10, 15 minutes, but I got used to it, and it was really, really on point. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but then you see the lighting, and this is where you come in as a film director. I don't appreciate lighting as much <laughs> as you do, but now that you pointed out the scenes of what she's really complaining about, she just wants... Uh-huh. The warmth of family, the golden rays, mm-hmm. the, 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 the hot food, the hugs, the smiles. Yeah. She wants all the color to return. And but the scene is gray and blacked out. Yeah. And she's in the specific attic where they would have those fun times together. Yes. And the, then, oh, the theater club. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, dude, plus the theater club with Lori reminded me of when I joined as, as a young man, joined a girl's club because I liked a girl, got rejected by that girl. <laughs> But I joined a girls' club. That does happen. I related uh-huh. to that very much so. That's not just 1860. That's 1995, <laughs> 96. I, Lori, I'm right there with you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these women just don't appreciate you. Yeah. But I, I get it, buddy. Yeah. And I think the film used... Um, I just not beautiful enough. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have to wait till you're older when you become beautiful. And exactly. Then... I look like a like a, like a a new fawn and just got his <laughs> bow legs together. And now I look like the full-on deer of the woods. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, um, the way that they use lighting in this film was really oh, so important. Good. Because so good. Whenever times were happy and yes. um, loving and they're all laughing and having a good time, it's yes. all like, um, it feels like it was summertime yes. and it, it was warm looking. And then whenever something bad would happen, it was very dark and gloomy looking, um, which I think it was a really nice cue cinematography wise of like, this is how you're feeling now. <laughs> yeah, man. And it just was so felt like in this place he's pointing to his heart it just i felt it <laughs> i want more movies like that you know like that's the first time in a long time since like stardust where i felt like even though you're, you're not gonna bring back the same cinematography as before because mm-hmm. it's just so much clearer now <laughs> than the 90s but it felt like watching one of those old 90s 80s films that just the family gathers around but it was intelligent and it was made for 2020 mm-hmm and so I didn't feel like, oh, I, okay, this is yeah. bad representation here, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Made me feel, really, I felt, man, I felt touched. I felt moved mm-hmm. by this film. Yeah. So um, do you think Joe should have ended up with Lori or Professor Bear? Yeah, kind of like how I said before, I was rooting for Lori, even though I kind of felt like in my heart, like she's not going to get with Lori. Uh-huh. This French dude is going to come in and steal her. But, and she's not an object to be stolen. I'm you know, just using the, the phrasing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it just felt so unfair, dude. Mm-hmm. That was such a great scene. Um, Timothée Chamalet, um <laughs> did such a great job. I would have been so pissed. It just He did so much. Mm-hmm. He he put away his his bad influences, his bad habits. He gave them everything. Like he shared his he shared, and then his grandfather got involved. He became a better person as, as being apart with Joe. Um, she felt she seemed like she felt safe. They felt like like they felt like a couple. Mm-hmm. But I understand it's like you grow up with like a little brother and you never would ever see them as. And I've been rejected like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like my brother. Oh, that's. I'm glad she didn't. Greta, thank you for not putting that line in there, because I would have just. I would have grown. Too close to home. I would have grown so loud in the theater. I would have disturbed everybody else. And it mm-hmm. was actually. It's been like four or five weeks since it's been released. Mm-hmm. It was almost a packed house in the theater. Yeah. No, like people like this film. Mm-hmm. I really give Greta Gerwig more films. Yeah, I think um, through the whole movie, it really felt like Joe. Like, okay, this is the part where I'm like, I could see that Lori was like, 
in love with her, but I'm wondering why he would think that she felt the same about him because throughout the whole oh listen what so throughout the whole thing oh my goodness great i'm gonna educate this girl every single time he would try to get close to her physically she would punch him in the arm or she would like throw him like push him away from her physically Uh uh-huh um and then she would like they would joke and stuff but then it would i don't know i feel like she never led him on it was more of like him just being there all the time with the family, which at some there were some facial expressions he made that kind of creeped me out, honestly. But, well, he has a creepy face. I'm telling you, he's but, a weenie. And <laughs> but, then he like, cause he um, he was with like all the. I feel like he was close to all the girls. He, well, he's like a little brother. He was in their <sighs> theater club. Like the only person he didn't have a scene with was Beth, essentially. Yeah. But like Meg felt like she she was close enough to like be rude to him and mm-hmm. she was never rude to anybody. Yeah. Thanks for John for that one moment. Mercy. Good job, bro. But here, here's the thing. Let me I have to educate you. Here's how the dumb male brain works. <laughs> if you don't say no, get away from me, you creep, we think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be specific with the words like I do not like you. Yeah. Like we are just friends. If, if she ever felt that, I think I think she just she maybe fooled herself in the thinking. But don't you realize that there's like I think one or two scenes where it's like either her or other girls, but her too, when he's like, But but there we could do something about that and she's like, No. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> there's I think there's another scene where that exact same phrasing was like, no. No, like all the girls, like dang it, this guy likes me. Oh, it was with Amy, Amy with uh, with Lori when mm-hmm. when he was like he was offering the marriage proposal to her, but mm-hmm. obviously a year after he got rejected or so, right? Like, or seven years, I don't know. So I forget the timeline. The timeline kind of confused me. I'm not gonna lie. That was one yeah. thing. Greta, the timeline kind of confused me, but I'm talking to her like like she knows me. <laughs> <laughs> Greta, let's talk. Get lunch, but um. Yeah, it was like that whole no thing. Amy did the same thing. It's like, no, no, no. I I know, like the theater, like she punched him when he like tried to, you know, give her give her his arm. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. And then mm-hmm. she grabbed Meg from John mm-hmm. and ran off. And I just loved how much she loved her sisters. But man, if there's a sister she should have killed, definitely Amy. Killed? You burned my novel? In an era where there's no computers, no digital backup, mm-hmm. you burn my novel because I don't let you come out with me to the theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, you dead. You definitely dead. Mm-hmm. In my house, mm-hmm. you're done. I'll, we get another sister. Make Beth healthy. Well, Beth is good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Amy was dead in my house. But my point is is that the dumb male brain. <laughs> yeah, you're going off topic a little bit. It's, it just, to me, it looked like she did like him. She hugged him like when when like some other thing happened. She jumped into his arms and hugged him. Uh-huh. Like they held each other's hair. They embraced. They spent so much time alone together. Mm-hmm. Yes, there were times where she would hit him away, but that looks like like playful. Like oh, you know, not here, but maybe when we're alone or when we're older. Like I just want to be a kid right now. Mm-hmm. He thought, okay, you're ready to grow up now. Let's get grown up. Uh-huh. I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. They, I think they would have made a, a great couple. That French guy was crap. <laughs> so, do you think Greta Gerwig should get an Oscar nomination for Best Director? Yes, I agree. Good. It is settled. I have spoken. Oh, <laughs> oh, I can't. I shouldn't say anything. Yeah, Mandalorian is coming. We're gonna talk about that. Mm-hmm. So if you have any projects you're working on. Projects, projects, If projects. you're creating your own Little Women film. Yo, if you are, let me know. I'll read it. I love the dramas. Uh, please let us know. And you can post it on social media with the hashtag MustyCreative. And we will share it on the show. Yes. And uh, Greta, um, if you want to be on the show. Please let us know. Um, hey, that rhymed. Yeah. And not just Greta, uh, the the rest of the crew, 
But um, no, it was just Greta. Greta wrote the screenplay. Give that woman an award. Man. Anyways, um, <laughs> if you want to be on the show, Greta, let, just let us know. Massive audience, reach out. Um, that's all the time we had. That's all. That's all we have time for. Uh, remember to leave us a review on iTunes and find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Anchor.fm/musty. Now. Before we say that, I just want to say we could really go on. There's, we actually cut this show short. There's a lot more we could we could have done with this show. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear more about Little Women? Let us know because I really like this movie. Uh, I could talk about it for a long time. Yes, I, I know. Yeah. All right, now it's time to shower up. them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.